Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. All right, today on The Less Stress Life, Jenna and I are doing an update sharing what we're doing in a topic that we see a lot. And I really want to come from a place of empowerment. One of the challenges is that this topic especially is not always coming from a place of empowerment. It can be a place of fear. And I know some of my clients would even agree that it has made them feel really unsafe, which is a huge piece of healing in general, feeling having a a wonderful life. If you're not feeling safe where you are in some way, if you feel like your home is challenging your health, it's a problem. And so We wanted to do this update. We've done many episodes dancing around this topic, talking about it in different ways. And on that note, I will also include, we will also include in the show notes, a reference to all of our other episodes or podcast episodes around molds. We have a whole playlist, a Spotify playlist that teases them out for you. We actually have playlists for like women's health and hormones. We have playlists for eczema. We have playlists for some very nerd. You are a clinician and you want the nerdiest stuff we've got or a, just a savvy person. We've got a list for that of some of my favorite nerd episodes. Explicitly, I'd love to reference 246 and 248. One of them is like, what if it's a mild to moderate mold issue? And in that one, I know I go over symptoms pretty well. I go over a story of a little bit of mold in a cat in some carpet that we had in a place and how it was just triggering some fungal symptoms for me. And the whole purpose here is, again, empowerment, because I think that mold, we coexist with it, and it can be an issue at any time for anyone. And unfortunately, our the problem with that is that we're, humans are tend to be reactive instead of proactive. And so I hate to say, oh yeah, it's learning just in case. 
Or as someone used to say to me, just in case learning or just in time learning. And so the story I have is about a year and a half ago, we had a, a record hailstorm where I live and the entire town got a new roof and new windows. But through that experience, through having softball size hail at my home, which I was really lucky it wasn't much, much worse, it did compromise my structures in my home enough where things just seeped in. So I had three or four water intrusions within the course of a year. And anything that, and there's so many misunderstandings around how mold develops and all of those things that we just wanted to do a refresher, tell you kind of some things we're seeing and help you put these pieces together. Because as one of my clients says, what's going on? Is this more common? Like, why do all these people have this issue? Wasn't this always there? It's a great question. And I hope we can cover that one as well. I've talked about that with other people. And in short, a one-sentence answer to that a little bit is, to be perfectly honest, the natural medicine space was obsessed with the topic of candida from like the 90s through the 2000s and candida diets and restricting sugar. And I have to say, what was it the root cause of that fungal overgrowth? And there can be many things. It doesn't have to be. This is just unusually common and it destroys a lot of systems and the reality is if you can just know it, you can be better faster. And that's all I want. I just don't want people relapsing. I don't want people stuck wondering why they're stuck with something. Am I sure that I had people in the past that we did not catch this on? A million zillion percent. Absolutely. In years past. So sometimes once you learn about something or once you understand something fully, you just cannot unsee it anymore. It's um, a blessing and a curse. It's yeah, I won't give more. Maybe I'll give more samples, but sometimes I see things on people and I'm like, oh, I wonder how their periods are. Looks like they're not metabolizing estrogen very well based on where their acne is on their face. Now, I don't think about that a whole lot, but it is one of those body assessments. So all of that to say, here we are. Welcome back, Jenna, who's been featured a lot as my co-host on the podcast, which is really appropriate and cool because she's a co-pilot and co-host in my private practice, Less Stress, Less Stress Life Nutrition. We really pretty much share the work. And it's a beautiful relationship because we are very different in a great way. Like any gaps and deficiencies I have, she really fills in. And so I love that. It's a really beautiful thing to be different. So welcome back, Jenna. We're talking about mold today. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to dive into this topic. Even though last time we had this conversation, we met, we're hot, we're like psychos. We're always like updating something or almost mm-hmm. ad nauseum, but we were updating. We have a pretty robust resource document. Mm-hmm. It's one of our main hubs around supporting clients with this right now, always being adjusted and, and whatnot. But we did a major overhaul on it in the fall just a couple of months ago. And I remember she's, okay, we're going to stop talking about this now and call into this topic, but here we are. It's just one of those things. I just want you to understand it. So here we go. So we talked about that the goal here is an empowered approach. And do we need to give any other disclaimers, Jenna? Yeah. So I think it's huge. Obviously, what we work on in the integrative functional health space, recognizing that, yes, we're helping you address mold, but we're helping you address mold internally. So I think huge disclaimer, we're not environmental experts. We love learning about that because obviously you can't heal if you're having that active exposure. So we have learned things along the way for sure. But just remember, we're not environmental experts here. Yeah. And remember, this comes up quite often. And let's tell you what has happened in times is there's a couple scenarios. There's three main scenarios. Maybe you had a historical mold exposure. That was me. 
I definitely had mild to moderate mold exposure as a, at least a high school kid living in a basement. Sometimes you just, as you really examine your history, you realize that, oh, maybe the reason my detoxification was a challenge, maybe the reason this, we all had this one presentation of, of rashiness was related to that. Maybe the reason we really all struggle with all this fungal overgrowth in the family mm-hmm. was actually related to that topic. So you can have a historical exposure, which can somewhat make you a little bit of a canary. I don't know if this is a great analogy, but a canary in a coal mine, which means that if you get into a house later, you might have a little bit of a resident colony. And that's not really a problem. That's actually, I would say, like a great forte of ours, right? Mild to moderate exposure you're not unstable. It's just causing a lot of annoyances in your life and in an interference in, in normal mm-hmm. physiology, but it impedes some functions. So it's causing a lot of symptoms. We'll talk about those later. So that's one scenario. So that's an ideal scenario, to be perfectly honest, not exposed. The next scenario that I sometimes run into is there's really no clear evidence. It's not super in your face in the initial intakes as we keep going. And people are getting better really well and everything is great and we've addressed this and then what happens is you pull them off of supportive things because they shouldn't need them they start to slide back and it starts to look really moldy it was like it must have been subtle enough we could overcome it but not when there's a constant exposure meaning like they're inhaling it like the most common place that it would enter the body and we'll talk about this when we talk through symptoms which i think is the really important part is and we probably should have started there. Do we even care about this topic? But whatever. So a lot of times, the most common places we contract mold is either through that ear, nose, and throat stuff, right? So you're inhaling it, or through touching, right? So those are just a couple ways that make the most sense for how we're taking it into our body. Anyway, so that's second. So first scenario is as a you had a historical exposure and you don't have a current exposure. That's ideal. Current exposure is not great. Second scenario, and this is the word, I think probably the most defeating or sucky one, is that if you had a current exposure, you didn't know for sure, but you were getting better and then you come off of things and you go backwards. So then it's shoot, it's like you get back to square one and some, not fully, and there's tools for mitigation, but it's not really ideal because there's not really a great answer there. And unfortunately, because it's a biotoxin, it, it truly is a nasty biotoxin, so it causes a lot of trouble. And then the third scenario that I'll see is that someone does have an active exposure and we figure that out literally immediately. And I try to be I'm a crazy person in a good way, I hope, where I'm like a bloodhound just double check, like triple checking always, because I don't know about you, I care the most about results and achievement. And so I don't want that scenario number two to happen. I don't really want to see that anymore. That's not fun. And so what I really want is to catch that as early as possible. If someone seems to be, we've got someone right now, it's a really, it's just really in my brain, really like that was a in your face, these symptoms. I was like, man, this looks like, it looks like this. And I know there was a lot of other history there too. It's just, it's not usually always just one thing. There's lots of stuff that was compounding, but that person knew that they had water damage to that home before they moved in. It was quote unquote remediated. It was, everything was supposedly ripped out and then they moved in and then guess what happened? A ton of issues started for them. So that's what I'm looking for is, okay, so that's where someone feels a little stuck. And the point that was a lot of jabbering for me to say, that's when someone is, can you help us navigate this in our home, our environment? And so I do want us to talk a little bit about what we've seen now environmentally, where we currently are. And just a few weeks ago, there was an episode, second episode with Michael Rubino, and we actually have a couple of really good ones recently, right? So Dr. Emily Kyber talks about her 
remediation. She says in that, I think she either says that there are in her masterclass, because we, we went through this together recently. Mm-hmm. She said she had at least five mold inspectors and none of them found mold. She had mold in every house. They ripped it out. <laughs> and then Michael Rubino said a couple of weeks ago, he would not hire but a few inspectors. And mm-hmm. so as we have had people have inspectors, it has been a very underwhelming experience for the client. So our resources now, again, because we want people to get better in their body, we're not environmental people, our resources are helping equip our clients with some tools we try, right? We're, we cannot, can't come over and do it. Like literally not pros. <laughs> There's a huge need for pros in this, in this arena, but trying to help people connect them to some tools so they can maybe DIY look around. And I do think that Dr. Kyber does a good job with that in the previous episode, like about a month ago. So definitely check that one out. That was a huge, I feel, gap that was filled with that episode. But this, the rest of this episode, we will talk about how to recognize it, what we're doing with it. And we can talk about just kind of anything you want to talk about, Jenna. So maybe should we start to talk about some symptoms of mold? And I'm going to let you talk about some of the areas, like the Mm -hmm. top level areas that it can affect. But before you do, I just want to mention mild versus severe. Severe mold is going to look fairly unstable, I would say. It's going to look massively like mast cell or like POTS, which is, which by the way, COVID really exacerbated POTS, unfortunately, which is post-orthotic tachycardia syndrome. It's like really unstable blood pressure, essentially. Mm -hmm. You can't keep it up, so you can feel like you're going to pass out at any minute severe allergies. It's like horrific. That's like kind of an unstable one. And there are experts out there. Richie Shoemake does a ton of training. I think his website's Surviving Mold. And there are pros in that arena that do really unstable cases. Our expertise is the people who would, those doctors might disregard these clients as mold. Like they would say, oh, that doesn't seem very serious. It's more like mild. That's our jam where someone doesn't really think it would be a problem. But showing up as this really chronic rash, it's just annoying. That wasn't there before type thing. So just mentioning the severity, it matters a ton. And so we're looking at that mild to moderate, not so much the severe. And why not the severe? It's a slow go, man. It's just, it's tough. It's real unstable. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one. And we can heal mild to moderate usually a lot faster, which is what we like. Okay, so Jenna, tell us about the different systems that mold can affect, which is, spoiler alert, pretty much everything. Yeah. So like Chris has shared spectrum of symptoms, really, we can see with mold because, again, mold can affect so many different areas of the body. So I'm going to break these down into a couple different categories of some like dead ringer mold symptoms to us or we're assessing when clients are coming in. First and foremost, let's just check off the list, all the different kind of yeast presentation, athlete's foot, toenail fungus, vaginal infections, any kind of reoccurring fungal-wise, definitely dead ringer there. And it's important to note, though, so if these are reoccurring, more than likely they're reoccurring because you have that sluggish metabolism. So the body isn't, what do you want to say, best or the body's an optimal host to allow fungus to continue or And an example of that would be like Mm -hmm. underactive thyroid. But unfortunately, there's all these caveats where you can go get blood. And this is our zone. We live in the gray zone. 
Yep. And, and this is ideal. If you go to the doctor and you feel like you have those sluggish thyroid symptoms, maybe they're mild brain fog. Maybe you feel like you have ADHD. Maybe you feel like sometimes your hands and feet are cold. Maybe you feel like you have dry skin, dry hair, dry feet, things like that. Even like occasional constipation. Those are all like, duh, hypothyroid symptoms. But those are maybe not going to show up on blood testing. No problem. I don't think that's probably the most useful, but I'm just mentioning. Because as soon as I say that word, people are like, oh, I had that tested, maybe. Or if it doesn't show up there. So I just want to mention your thyroid can be sluggish without it showing up on blood testing. Mm -hmm. Ideally, that's optimal because our toolbox is not super deep conventionally anyway. So when you have that sluggish metabolism or thyroid, it allows for fungal overgrowth more. And would you specify vaginal infections a little bit more, all the types of vaginal infections? And just if you're having recurrence of those, how that can be fungal oddly. Yeah, so the BV, bacterial vaginosis, we have the yeast infection specifically. And I don't even know if you want to give some lip service to not even necessarily it being more internal, but in that vulva area, we see some skin issues going on as well. So just something. And urinary tract infections also, I would say. And part of this is because it's not only mold, but the next piece with it affecting the immune system is that there Mm -hmm. are things that'll pop up. And I didn't even put this on our list of things to discuss. But occasionally, and this is usually a little more severe, because mold is suppressing the immune system, stuff will happen. You can talk about that. But one thing that'll happen is viruses will really come up and take hold because viruses can lay dormant forever. But when your immune system is suppressed, they can come up and and cause issues. So maybe if you ever hear about Epstein-Barr virus, which can be a pretty big trigger for Hashimoto's or thyroid antibodies being elevated or like more hard (laughs) would be herpes infections, which you could have cold sores that appear on your face, on your body, on your tongue, on your everywhere. That can be a big one. So will you share more about how mold suppresses the immune system? Yeah, definitely. So suppressing the immune system can lead to a lot of different things. So you might notice allergies specifically, or you might notice later in life developing allergies, especially to molds. Chris already talked about POTS and then also that mast cell activation syndrome and frequent illness, of course. So, yeah, one thing we're definitely screening for is how frequently are you getting sick? Because yeah, if it's more than once or twice a year, yeah. it might be a little too much. But I think that's why you have to really qualify a lot of these symptoms, because if you've gotten sick quite frequently, you might think it's normal for you. Oh, Definitely. And then so also immune system, obviously that infects how well we're tolerating different foods. So if you have or are experiencing any sort of food sensitivities, particularly more of that mold related or I guess sensitivities we think associated more with mold include grains, reacting to high histamine foods, oxalates, dairy as well. So yeah. Yeah. And that stuff, even though that can be a lot of other stuff too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how mold enters the body. So talk to us about how that affects lots of systems. So a lot of, I feel like, fungal symptoms, again, to us are really related to that ear, nose, and throat area. So let's just start listing symptoms here. Most people are aware of the oral thrush or just having that white coating on your tongue. We specifically also see individuals sensitive to citric acid, getting so tongue get like, ulcers. Yeah, yeah. It just hurts like hell. Sores oh. in regards to the nasal passage, I feel is huge. So if you're having chronic or just reoccurring sinus issues, definitely look into mold there. 
noting just some sores popping up around the nose. And I think Krista, she's also been there with that situation. It's, it's almost indiscernible, right? Like it's probably not really severe. It was like when I would leave the cabin with the mold in the carpet, I just have these little teeny tiny, like you you couldn't really see them, but I could feel them where it's like a little tiny, teeniest piece of like pin sized piece of skin, like scabbing over around my nostrils. Even sure. in nosebleeds, which is not on our list, can be, but carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also just experiencing like an unproductive sore throat. So it'll like reoccur or when you wake up in the morning, it might be more prevalent and then go away throughout the course of the day. Any sort of itchy ears, ringing in ears as well. And then connected to the throat again, if you're constantly clearing your throat, Mm -hmm. big fungal kind of indicator there. Yeah. And again, I've experienced most of these, so I like get it. And there's something convenient or inconvenient about experiencing most of the symptoms your clients have it's like a totally different understanding and empathy it's oh i I understand it completely differently and i feel some of these are just or how would you want to say they're subtle like i noted with a sore throat it'll go away so you're like oh you don't think much of it yeah it's not impacting your everyday life ruining your life yeah 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 and i'll mention another one that's a little more severe and it can depend if you take some things and you feel like you get like the sweats or flu-like symptoms. And that would be if you're probably having a pretty significant exposure or provoking something that's like dead ringer mold. You're not, you don't really have the flu, but it, man, it sure felt like getting mm-hmm. flu for half of a day. That's like when it's bad, I would say. All right. An area we work with a lot is the skin. So there's a couple of huge systems. And I always talk about these are always systems anyone can support, but these are systems that mold attacks. So talk to us about those systems. Yeah. So since we're affecting just that overall detox burden, mold does, and also the adrenals. So skin, just seeing rashes, particularly a couple areas of the body. So at the nape of the neck, on your scalp, dry, itchy, flaky scalp affecting the different lymph areas of the body, so armpits, groin, so forth. Particularly, too, around the mouth, we see more fungal-related rashes going on, and then also more so, I think, linked with the adrenals just being depleted, seeing skin presentations pop up on the hands. For years, I've been recommending Microbalance products to my clients to help them clear mold from their homes and bodies. The creator of Microbalance is a practicing ear, nose, and throat doctor that's tested their unique formulas to kill mold but not other microbes because he's found that over 90% of those with chronic sinus issues can have fungal or mold issues in the sinuses. I've even found small amounts of mold can cause everything from skin rashes to food sensitivities, throat clearing, and so many other symptoms. So if you'd like to try anything from Microbalance, you can get 15% off by using the code Less Stressed or by downloading our free checklist of 10 easy ways to reduce mold in your home at kristabigler.com forward slash mold. And I'll also include the code there. I love Microbalance's sinus sprays and their laundry additives to just remove smells and molds from fabrics. They really do help make things easier, whether it's trying to test your home for mold or just reduce the exposure in your everyday appliances. So you can grab that checklist at kristabigler.com forward slash mold or use the code less stressed at microbalance.com for 15% off your order. Yeah, I would say historically for a very long time, we've always talked about hand eczema, which is a really frustrating one being super linked to stress and the nutrients depleted by stress 100%. But I would say in recent years, I do see more mold as a contributor, but mold just really tanks those adrenals. So on the same note, if your adrenals are 
in tough shape, Mm -hmm. you are going to be hypersensitive to things. You're going to overreact to stuff, supplement, other things. There's just going to be a lot of nervous system dysregulation that would cause that hypersensitivity. And then for some people, you can have a lot of fatigue. You and I have to really think about my history. And I have to really think like I did not have the energy to clean up the kitchen after dinner. I just really didn't. And there can be multiple causes of fatigue, but pretty significant fatigue. But then there's other people, and I'm talking general adrenals, not just mold. It's just like mold taxes adrenals, but guess what? Stress taxes adrenals for sure. And then there's those high performers, which I also have suffered (laughs) from that personality trait. (laughs) And you just push through and you're like, I'm fine. But sometimes there's like a little bit of a crash or it's like I could sleep longer on the weekend. I don't even know if that's a great example, but it can be just some little things that, again, it's almost like people bring it to the table when you're first meeting them in an interview. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's happening here. We're, we're pushing this one under the rug. We're just cruising through this and we're almost, we're muscling through the adrenal challenges. And for me, it looked like challenged thyroid stuff, relapsing gut stuff, chronic burping. Again, I'm just talking more about adrenals, not necessarily mold. Carry on. What are some other cool things we've seen? Yeah. So interestingly, with addressing mold, we've seen progress on overcoming gray nods. So how your fingers, when they turn white, lose that circulation, so forth. Just, yeah, I feel like very interesting symptom there. You won't think, oh, possibly mold fungus is related here. Mold and thyroid, I would say. I forgot to know that. I would say definitely that. But those two can be related. And I was just doing an interview on someone yesterday and I was assessing for mold, but the symptoms were a little more... So mold could cause some, could be a cause of some thyroid stuff. It could be the root cause of it. Or the adrenal stuff can be root cause of thyroid. And all of the other nutrient deficiencies could be a root cause of thyroid. But the sluggish thyroid allows that fungus to just thrive really well. And finally, we just talked about the fatigue. But sometimes mm-hmm. if all of that's intermingled with some joint pain, you may consider because joint pain especially... And this is all detox burden or that or what I'm talking about is detox burden, especially if you wake up with a little bit of stiffness and then it gets better throughout the day. Supporting your drainage detox is usually going to resolve that. And then this one's a little more severe, but periodic nausea just in general means that drainage detox bile function mm-hmm. is taxed, is overwhelmed. And so you're not going to be breaking down those fats and it's going to cause you to have periodic nausea. And it's not going to look like all the time always, right? It's going to look, but I'm going to say, oh, why is your bile? Why is that taxed? And then something else we're not really bringing up, but that's definitely a pain point is hormonal skin stuff. So when your detox drainage bucket is really full, then when your body's clearing out hormones it doesn't want to use for your monthly menstrual site, just dumping things out there's going to be a little backup on the freeway. So you're just going to see things rise and fall or feel like intermittent flares. So tricky. All right. So we all want an easy button. We talked a little bit earlier. Can you just come and fix it in the environment? And so people sometimes want that easy button in their body too, which is fine. But let's talk about like, when do we test? And what does it even tell us? Yeah, definitely. So if we're going to test, I feel for some clients, again, we just covered all the wide variety of symptoms, what mold can look like. So some people are okay just going based off their symptoms, what we learned there. Others, if you're not 100% sure you need that black and white data, then we definitely will explore testing. So that's mycotoxin testing. What and else mycotoxins, do we Yeah. Sometimes people get a little stuck on this. What is this? Is this candida? Is this fungus? Is this mold? Is it mm-hmm. mycotoxins? If you see a mold, it's giving off lots of mycotoxins. It's the toxic burden. It's the waste from that living organism at that time. 
You don't have to see it. Not all mold is black mold, which is stachybotrys, <laughs> charterum. And then there's a lot of mycotoxin given off from stachybotrys. There's white mold. Again, we're not like experts on how it all appears, but definitely there can be white, green, et cetera. And one of the other main things is if something was wet for more than 24 hours, it probably grew mold. And something that other episodes have already covered, but I just want to reiterate very briefly, and that I really had to struggle through also with a little bit of a with a water damage situation this summer, is that if that drywall gets wet, it is between dust and drywall and like paper products, that is like ideal mold food. It's just their carb. They love their carb lovers. And just something to consider if something was ever, people will often be like, that was dried out. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit tricky. In one area, yeah. So testing is just going to tell us if it's in the body and it's going to show us the severity there's a lot of discussion, and I was helping some clinicians with this online the other day. They were like, "What do you provoke?" I totally provoke mycotoxins into the urine. So, what is it? How do you do a mycotoxin test? There are blood tests. We use urine tests. We have done split testing. I talk about that in in that earlier episode. I was referencing. I literally did two tests out of the same urine. The results were hilarious. Totally different. It was interesting, but. They were both very positive. So there was that. But if you have a historical exposure, your body can shove this away in the tissue because it's like trying to protect you as always. So I want to provoke that with some nutraceutical, maybe glutathione, maybe with sweating to try to get that out of the tissue and into the body. Now, some people can feel a little yucky during that time. It's not always. But if they do, probably a pretty good sign we got an issue. (laughs) And then you just take first morning urine. So it's most concentrated. Your body's doing a lot of cleanup duty overnight, right? So it's pulling and you're going to have concentrated urine in the morning. So that's where you pee into the cup and you send it into the lab. That's how we do it. It is measuring mycotoxins. There are varieties. I have looked at all of the tests that I know of, the urine tests on the market, and I have compared them and I have been unimpressed. The one I'm using now, which or the one we're using now, Vibrant, it just has the most mycotoxins and gives us the best results. And no one needs, have I been there where I felt that the results were like uncertain? I'd rather validate what I want to see. And so you can tell with someone and sometimes it's so clear. We have a client right now and it's like she was living in multiple places for whatever reason. And she was able to pinpoint the exact place she lived in where all of her symptoms started. Mm-hmm. Cool. No problem. Why test at that point? But everyone to each their own. And to be honest, it's going to be the protocol is whatever is going to work for you anyway. <laughs> there are a few nuances to different types of molds that respond mm-hmm. to certain things, but it's imperfect regardless. So the test bottom line is positive, negative and severity. And sometimes that's pretty much the thing with testing in general is severity of anything. Even when we do a stool test, sometimes I feel like we've done so many of those. I could do them with my eyes closed. I know there's plenty of clinicians that don't do them. I feel that our clients like to see them. And guess what? When you get a really remarkable test and it's a hot disaster, that person is really happy they saw that information, right? And it's really helpful to just remind them, especially with our pediatric clients. Also, if it's a hot mess, it's, hey, just remember this was a nightmare. (laughs) And so we got to be gentle. So I hope that was helpful. You feel free to summarize if you want to say anything. But that's our approach to mycotoxin testing. We sure could run it on anyone we're suspicious of, but we have a little bit of a game on, do we really need to do all of this testing or can we reduce the testing and improve and just go after what we know is there? Because if there's one thing for certain, it's that we are going to treat symptoms over test results, but we're still going to use test results to guide and sometimes they can be really helpful. All right. What is one of the barriers you think that we see most often aside from people living in mold and feeling a little bit stuck with their environmental situation, which 
we don't have some easy peasy answer for today. It's a little bit of an experience, but what's the other most common barrier that sometimes pops up? No, I feel this barrier is probably or not super interesting, but it's just, I don't know, I guess how people are. <laughs> In terms of a big barrier we see or comes up frequently is say with your symptoms or client with their symptoms, we're like, okay, you're pretty fungal here. And then we want to go about dressing mold. Obviously, we want to gauge whether or not you have an active past exposure just, I guess, to start making progress. But a lot of times what pops up is the partner, your husband just doesn't understand the significance of addressing mold looking into if it's in your environment or not, and then going about, I guess, remediating it properly if needed. So yeah, I'd say that's a huge barrier, huge thing clients bring up pretty frequently. Yeah. And it's a human thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily only husbands, but it does happen a lot. But if we just think about how humans are, there's usually a masculine. So actually, I know you're fascinated by this. I intermittently read this book about masculine feminine and how to thrive in relationship. Mm -hmm. You can, like as a woman, I can be masculine, but my husband then needs to be a little more vulnerable at that time. But if we're going to go with traditional gender roles, masculine, mm -hmm. feminine, my point is that the masculine really wants to solve and protect and figure it out. And so when you've got something that's a bit stealth, mm -hmm. literally like sometimes in the subfloor, which you're not going to be able to see with a boroscope or a moisture meter, it's really frustrating. They just get frustrated. Mm -hmm. And if they don't see it, you know how humans are. It's if I can't see this, it must not exist. And whereas women, we're a lot more comfortable to go based on our feelings. Sometimes yeah. the men, yeah. they just want that data. For yeah. And if I feel like there's definitely going to be a question mark, you just pick up on the energy. If I feel like there's going to be a question mark, I'll just say, yep, we're just going to go ahead and pull that test. So that way there is no question and we're not sitting here frustrated at any mm -hmm. point. Because to be perfectly honest, we love when healing is linear. It's super fun <laughs> when everyone just gets better perfectly. But if we run into a snag, we basically want to reduce any snags <laughs> as, as fast as possible. So everything is about improving efficiency. So ultimately people can heal and then not relapse because that's the challenge of you can kill mold, you can detox it. And I should probably finish talking about husbands and mold and, and why it affects people differently, probably before we jump into active past exposure and a little bit of differences there. But we know, so there are some genes. I hate blaming things on genetics, but it's an opportunity. Earlier, I said, if you have a historical mold exposure, that means like your detox bucket, or maybe you just have crappy liver genes. I sure do. If you get into a, a more toxic exposure, I'm not going to be the same as Jenna. I don't have the same mm -hmm. genetic makeup as Jenna. If my detox bucket it overflows, like I'm going to have itchy skin and I'm going to get a rash. Like I have been there. So there's that piece. And there's a lot of genetics based on like how your liver drainage detox system works. There's a couple of genes, HLA, DR, and DQ. And then there's like some subvariants to that. It's like B1 and I think DRB1 and DQB1. Anyway. There's a couple, and so it's tricky because these are actually the the parent, the HLA, DR, and DQ, as far as I can tell, are also the variants that affect the likelihood of having celiac disease and type 1 diabetes. But then a subvariant of those HLA genes can make you struggle more to detox biotoxins. I would imagine it's deeper than this. I would imagine that all, if you have any crappy liver enzyme or genetic predispositions, because those genetic predispositions are going to affect how the enzymes work and enzymes make everything work. And I always call it like a light switch, right? Everyone's turned on a light switch that's slow. So I've got a lot of like slow light switches in my body. And so the coding of the enzymes is a little slow. 
And so I'm not going to clear things out beautifully. I actually don't, although it was nice to see that genetic data, I wouldn't say go rush and get it. It's not, it's a little overwhelming and not as applicable. What if you just looked at your family history first and looked at their health? And if I look at my family history, it's a run amok with disaster and lots of cancer and aunts and uncles and all types of things. And so I could assume I could make some good assumptions that, yeah, sure, my family genetics are not amazing. That's not a that's not an identity I have to carry around. Mm-hmm. It's just a, hey, I, comparing myself to someone next to me, may need to support my drainage detox. Can everyone support their drainage mm-hmm. detox? Damn straight you can. So we do know that if you have these two genetic variants, yes, you will struggle with metabolizing mold. So that's a possibility. We have gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole on, hey, should we check our mold clients and see if they have the HLA variants? And we decided that the cost benefit hasn't been there yet, unfortunately, (laughs) where it's like, hey, we want to spend 150 to several hundred dollars to find that out or, or not really. So whatever. But that's a possible. And in general, just depending on, on what you're carrying around in your bucket in, in general, mm-hmm. if you have a half full bucket of detox drainage burden or other stuff <laughs> and you can't clear, that could be a bit of an issue. Right. Um, I just want to say, so there's that's an easy mm-hmm. conversation. And then the other piece, and also we have a pretty biased population of clients, right? Because we're dealing with a lot of rashes, right? We deal with a ton of rashes. And so that's probably one of the reasons we see so much mold because the skin's just a safe place for your body to clear stuff. And I think what's important to bring up too is, or at least we talk about, so say if you're the client, what if you're spending a majority of the time in your home, whereas your husband, partner, whoever, people always ask like, why don't family, all family members react the same too? It just could be because they're spending way less time in that possibly moldy environment as well. And what I will say is I've had multiple scenarios. This isn't necessarily the, it's not necessarily this is always the case, just so we're clear, Mm -hmm. because I've had people who just part of the HVAC system was affected and only the part with the parents' room of the house was affected. And so I've also seen where the mom backslid as we took her off protocols. And then she starts asking really weird questions about her family that had never come up before, but we could have answered before. And I was like, this is very suspicious. And even though these symptoms are not the same, they all have a common denominator mm-hmm. and it was mold. And so that's a really frustrating. But the reality is, I just want you to know, I don't think fear is necessary. I just want to try to empower you to look for stuff before you get in the home. And I think Michael Rubino talked about probably how there's mold in 100% of homes. I have a home appraiser or inspector in my family. And he says in his seminars, he's told it's in 100% of homes. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on the severity. And in Dr. Kybird's episode, she talks about how she was she is a canary in a coal mine. It does throw off her Hashimoto symptoms like crazy. She has to take a nap at two when she's exposed to mold, which could mean several things that I'm not that doesn't I don't need to say. It could mean whatever about her, right? I have no idea. But the point is she found just a poor caulking on a bathtub caused enough trouble. And she's more affected than others. Like her kid had some stuff from it too. But I don't remember her saying her husband really responded negatively. So the main point is don't be fearful that you're going to have perfection. And, and in one of those mm-hmm. episodes, we talk about some building materials. But I think understanding and then not sticking our head in the sand is probably our biggest benefit. So there's that. And that's my only thought is like, hey, be your own advocate always. <laughs> some of these tools, Dr. Kyber talks about boroscope, thermal imaging gun. That's the most expensive one, about 300 bucks. Moisture meter, 50 bucks. 
these little tools can help you put find some potential areas of distress. And to be perfectly honest, when you're a homeowner, I, there's not a real great manual here, right? Clean the right. HVAC. I didn't know that. Right. It took me over 10 years to clean the HVAC. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I said this in Michael Rubino's episode. If I took one thing away from him, it's I've become a real copious duster. <laughs> I'm really trying to eliminate the dust, which is where the mm-hmm. mold sits. And these are things that are okay for everyone. And I had a client just tell me the other day, she's like, hey, we had our HVAC cleaned and like my cough is gone. So I'm, I know I'm headed in the right direction. And so I just tell you that because there's like always lights at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and we make change with ourselves, right? We can't just expect someone else to do this for us because most people don't know anything. So that's the goal of this episode, just to share awareness. It doesn't have to be, it is a nasty toxin. Is there room for conversation on, hey, we've coexisted with this and Michael and I had that conversation too. I'm sure... There will be an update to this episode eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Learn more, know more, share more is what we're going to do. Definitely. Here. So as we continue to address this in practice, we'll get you updated on what we see currently working. And yeah, I hope this was helpful. Anything else we want to say about transformation and how clients feel after addressing mold? Anything else you think we should cover in today's? show i don't think so i think yeah just biggest thing being empowered and bringing awareness and validating whatever symptoms you might be experiencing because yeah we shared these symptoms can seem or not seem as significant but they're definitely worthwhile to look into i guess Mm -hmm. for sure and our mold resources have been accumulated from a variety of resources but I will say one that was very changing for me, certainly always client experiences are the most life-changing, actually, and they change how we do things. But one resource that I read that I thought was really approachable, really useful for anyone was Dr. Jill Krista's Break the Mold. And I probably should have her come on, but I felt that book was very applicable. So if you feel like you resonated with this, but you just want to start to dig into it, that is an okay place to start. The last few episodes, and also, by the way, This episode is sponsored by Microbalance, and they're really great. I'm just here to remind you that the owner of Microbalance is an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he believes that over 90% of people with chronic ear, like nasal stuff, have mold colonies, and that's why he created the products. And the when you get to know the family behind it, it's actually pretty cool how they've developed some of the products. I was really skeptical about the candles, and his daughter, who works with him, walked me through how they found that mold spores when they were burning those candles was so much less when they know they had. And I think this was a personal experience he had, and then they tested it many times. And I was like, oh, fascinating. But it's not necessarily clear, but they have a lot of free resources and materials on their website. Put a cap on the rabbit hole you take on this, an hour or less, maybe just for your mental health. And if you need help with it, by all means, if we're taking clients, book a call with us. We can always assess it. It's hard for me, for us to have a very perfect, it's a struggle to come up with the most perfect assessment form because I do feel like there's a little bit of clinical experience where I just see the patterns. Today, I was doing an assessment at the time of this recording and I was assessing for mold, but I decided it was much more stress-driven causing all these other downstream effects than mold. So I was like, nope, that's not it. But so there is a little bit of that nuance no matter what. But if you do want to do an assessment or you do want to, if you have any allergies or stuff, or you just want to cut down on any possible exposures that can be really common, we've got a handout for that. So you can just go to, I think, kristabigler.com forward slash mold. I hope that's right. It'll show up on the website if you go to kristabigler.com. We'll put it in the show notes. And yeah, so I hope that is really helpful for you guys today. Hope that these resources we pointed you to can be really helpful and empowering. And we'll be back with updates as they come.
Thanks so much. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post. Post.